Today, we have Tyler Florence in the studio. This guy is so cool. He's a winemaker, a television personality, a restaurant owner. He is so creative, and we're going to get to explore so much of that right now. I assume you're doing your dream job. I can only assess that. I, I, I'll put it on the table. I, I love my day every day, so I'm, I'm also in that, that boat, but I assume you're doing your dream job. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, I'm very um, fortunate that um, I've stuck to what I do and saved my lane long enough to be really good at it. And uh, the world has kind of rewarded my stick to with a career mm-hmm. and I get to be me every day. Um, but it doesn't come easy. And, you know, everybody, uh, especially in a very competitive world, um, wants to know what you did today or what you did yesterday mm-hmm. and what can you do for me lately? So you have to constantly refresh yourself and, um, understand when you're putting out a competitive product and when you're not and constantly not, you know, pair it and do a me too thing. But, really kind of come up with something very, very interesting and very new and, you know, keep it interesting. And if you can do that, you can just kind of be yourself forever. Yeah. I know you've got new projects you're kind of going on, but what if, okay, if you weren't um, who you were today, um, but you were, you were your 18 year old self, like what would you kind of dream? What would you dream of if you were 18 or did you dream of, or is this it? This is it. I'm, is I, it? I am a one trick pony. I, really? I started washing dishes yeah. And uh, the nicest restaurant in my hometown of Greenville, South Carolina. Yes. And my girlfriend's parents owned the restaurant. So I was like the dishwasher with privileges. Right. And you were in. I was in. I was in the family. And by the time I was 18 years old, I was I was uh, wrapping up high school on the way to college. I went to culinary school at uh, Johnson and Wales University in Charleston, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I my short term goal going into college was to move to New York City. Uh, and just figure did. it out, which it did, yeah. yeah. And I've lived there for 15 years. Yeah. And uh, right now, we just kind of take it like a year or two at a time and see what feels good and, and just kind of go with it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine any better situation. Even even when I've, we've screwed up or failed, mm-hmm. it, it's all it's all f- you know for something. Um, so I'm, I'm really happy where, where we are. Yeah. Very happy with it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, okay, so we've done the... This must come up. You've been on. You've been a personality. You meet a lot of people. It must come up where the sort of same question comes up over yeah. and again. Like uh, as an example, we've done the decorator showcase a couple of times, and we'll do it. Um, you stand there for three weeks, and the people come in and like, oh my gosh, what this is amazing floor color, you know, and all oh, that light fixture. Is that a dragon? You know, the same question comes up is there something that people continually ask you about and although you indulge and you love it well you you know you get these sort of silly questions like where'd you get started or what's your favorite thing to cook or if you could give me three tools in the kitchen like what would they be right Uh and what's your favorite thing to make right and and you you sort of kind of get these questions over and over again 
And it's just sort of an awkward icebreaker because they really don't mean that necessarily as much as they're just not really sure where to tap into your creative space, right? So yeah. they can have a real dialogue and real conversation. So I usually try to get past that as fast as possible. I, I'll either wrap up the conversation right then and there or I'll turn the question around. So like tell me what your favorite thing is and let's see if we can make it better, right? Uh-huh. Or tell me what you, three things you'd like to have in your kitchen and I'll see if I can recommend some really good ones, right? So, so I'll, I'll take that mundane question and I'll spin around to something so they get some really good takeaway because that's what they want, right? When they say, hey, what's your favorite dish to make, right? They're kind of asking for... Oh, and I love that one too. Right. So (laughs) I I could say anything, honestly. Chicken cacciatore, I could say anything, right? But what they're really asking is, give me a great dish that I can make at home. That's what they're asking, right? So, 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 and then once you get past that and start cracking to like a real conversation, then you can almost talk to anybody about anything, really. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I do get, you know, some pretty sort of, you know, like top five, top 10 questions and yes. as if they've never done any research on anything at all. So they just want to kind of throw that one out there just to break the ice. But yeah, I get that all the time. I mean, not saying that I have those same questions, but I have just deleted a lot. <laughs> See? <laughs> See? I'm just saying that was, okay, you, I had 45 questions. Now I have four. It's you could okay, right? That, you could just crumble that piece of paper, right? <laughs> Just there you go. Just crumble it up and then just have a conversation. And that to me is really great podcasting interview. Thing. I, you, you're obviously prepared. And obviously I, I'm, I have prepared nothing. No, it's, um, just such, it's just so funny. God makes me cry. So well, let me ask you a question. So, so Green Couch. So, so tell um, – uh, I'm going to be pushing this out myself. Um, so yeah. tell everybody um, like what you want to do with this podcast. Like, like what you do in San Francisco and – and um, like where you want to be, like you do, you want to be the world's greatest interior designer, do you, a, a think tank firm, create product, do you want to be in Ikea, do you want to be in Target, do you want to be on the cover of Architectural Digest, like what do you want to do? Um, I want to keep con- uh, creating a portfolio that I'm excited about in the next uh, 25 years. Mm-hmm. So at the end of it, you know, there's something to be documented. You want to put uh, a timestamp so on I your guess, era? Like Halston uh, clothes or, you know, like seven, 1970s sort of just something designer stuff? I guess it would be even enough for me to have something to relish and, and, and to be proud of. And, you know, all the people that are involved with our studio. Okay, so the podcast is a great, great way for me to have fun, meet fun people, talk about things that I'm and truly interested in, different yeah. arts. And I'll have a choreographer on. I'll have, you know, a, a keyboardist I mentioned that's going to come on. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to properly talk to rock stars and that's just the beginning of it who knows right but that's i'm a curious person so i'm just going to be curious about all of this that's great and but at the end of it there there may be a fallout in that um i um have more people that i'll know now mm-hmm. okay so that's good but the end goal for me is is really like i said just to have you know all the like is the, the team we work with that we can look back and say like dang those are some sweet years. Those are some sweet projects. And we have photo documents to show it. Okay. It's not the coffee table book, but it's the private coffee table book. Mm-hmm. Because I would hate to just be doing something that didn't have um, the art left in its wake. And that's what the photographs are. I right. think. You know, that's, right. the, that's the true art and our craft, the design craft is, is it's, uh, somebody said, actually Michael Boudreaux said, um, it's the closest thing to choreography is interior design. Mm-hmm. You set it up for the camera's eye. You move the accessory here. You know, you, you, you style it just like you would a set. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the camera's set here. I'll stand here. 
and, and it's beautiful. But in the case of interior design, it gets messed up right after the photo shoot, and it will mm-hmm. never be that way. Just like a, a Christian doing movement in a ballet. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, that's the art of, of interior design is that photograph. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that's the ultimate. Um, that's ultimately what I'm looking for. And you have um, you were just telling me a little bit about your project that you were working on. So you're kind of in love with interior design? You're in love with this also? Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm an artist. Uh, I, I do a bunch of things, right? Um, yeah. And I, I love interior design because I, I think that is escapism in some of its purest forms, right? I mean, it's teleportation into your world, right? Like mm-hmm. so, in this world that we live, you know, commuting from one box to another box and that box be your house mm-hmm. or your apartment, right? Mm-hmm. Or your condominium to wherever this place is that you're going to go to walk into this new world and teleportate yourself into, teleport yourself into that space and time. The people that are really good at it, I, I, I think it's kind of inspiring, right? To take four walls and to create an environment that is just breathtakingly beautiful and curious and interesting and, and you know the, the colors that you choose and the materials that you use and the, the fabrics and the and the, the furniture that you pick out like I, that kind of stuff is just mind-blowing because it's the editorial process which I think is, is pretty cool like like anybody can put a lot of stuff into a room but when you when you really picky about it and when you can have a vision inside of your head and you nail it right uh-huh. when you nail it like like you close your eyes and you start to kind of walk the space in your own head and then you start to okay I'm gonna get this desk I'm gonna get this countertop I'm gonna get this furniture this lighting I want you know I, I've paid attention to how the sun sets in the space so I want to make sure I capture this emotion like when you can really kind of pull it off like that's a gift it really is it, it, it's it's art it's God flow to be honest with you right and and that kind of thing is really interesting to me so we you know I, I do a lot of things right I mean I, I make television I've been making television for 20 years I'm a chef I'm a cookbook writer I'm a winemaker um, uh, I collect motorcycles. I, you know, I, I just I, I do really? a bunch of, yeah. I do a bunch of fun things, right? Uh, uh, you, you you're a motorcycle uh, guy, car guy too. Not so much a car guy. Like mm. I I've got I have a nice car, but I, I don't really you know um, I, I don't crave my car as much as I crave motorcycles. Uh-huh. I like cars. I love motorcycles. You collecting them? I have five. I don't know when you more cross over. Is probably a collection, right? Yeah, three, more, I think. We, yeah, I think you get more than three. You got to. You have a collection. Yeah. I, yeah, my my wife is a little upset about the garage. You know, you're lucky you don't have a car uh, fetish or problem. You would be. Yeah, out of space. Yeah, out of space. My friend and uh, Gregor Jenkins is his name. My wife's from South Africa. Mm-hmm. I just got back from South Africa, and he's a, a furniture designer. And Gregor Jenkins, he's an awesome dude. But every time I go there. Um, it's inspirational, and I hang out with him, and we just go around the, the like, edges of Cape Town. Mm-hmm. And he, had, I was like, well, you know, what's up this year? And he's like, what's well, been, a, you know, I had that one car, um, and he's like into in late seventies and early eighties BMWs, mm-hmm. but they're they're kind of a different stock than we have. They're all British. They're all South Africans. So different styles, different bodies. Different, mm-hmm. Right hand drives too, right? Right hand drives. Yeah. But just a different look. They're just not the same vehicles. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, cool. He has 70. 70. He, bought a, he got a new warehouse just to, like, do them. And I think this may be relevant to what you're talking about with your renovation at your new place. Um, he calls it um, um, it's like compassionate or, or sensible renovation, something mm-hmm. like that, where the idea is, you know, he, 
it's a, it's the original blue paint and there may be chips on it, but he's not really doing that. That's uh-huh. original. But if the blue leather interior of the driver's side seat is you know trashed, he'll get he'll go find a one and replace those two original seats in the original color. Same thing with the dashboard or the clicker. They may be a little like rough around the edges, but they're the original ones. So he's creating the best he can do to make the, the old thing still be his old self, but the best version of itself. And tell that story, right? And I, I think that's what interior design is all about. I think that's what art is all about. It's like this moment in time where someone has created an intersection that if you bump into it and you do it the right way, you make somebody feel a certain way, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what art is all about. You know, you just kind of create this stuff and people have a great experience with it. And, and you know, if you get good at it, people reward you for your efforts and, and you call it a career. But it's just, you get a chance to sort of tap in your creative level and, and, and make great, fun, beautiful things. Yeah. And that's just, I get the chance to wake up and just kind of make fun, great stuff every day. Yeah. yeah that's right. Um, do you have influences for your design? I mean, you know a few designers here in San Francisco. You mm-hmm. probably know them all over the world. Um, who are some of the people, I mean, do you follow or do you just go for it? Well, you know, I um, if, if you had to kind of break into like Instagram, um, as far as the like kind of people I follow, I, I follow like, you know, collectors, right? I mean, there's definitely interior designers that I follow. There's also florists that I follow. There are, you know, um, um, motorcycle shops who create custom motorcycles that I follow. And, they, and there's, um, and then if you take that edit process and kind of create a stream out of it, there's definitely some thread through as far as like what that look kind of looks and feels like. Like if you kind of go through somebody's Instagram feed or, or more importantly, kind of go into the, the photos that they've liked, right? Um, there's definitely like a thread through as far as kind of what that feel looks like. And I, I um, you know, I, I like everybody. Like um, um, I, I really love, you know, like I, I think Ralph Lauren. I mean, it's just an, an amazing, incredible designer that tells a great story and I mean at one point in time he was really kind of sort of out in the forefront but now his his legacy sort of tells itself and you can almost sort of you know take a picture of an empty room and there's something about it that feels very Ralph Lauren in a way that I think is really kind of cool like I I, um, I love um, I love London um, it's a very influential city for me um, the, the sense of design I love Sydney Australia um, very influential city from a food mm-hmm. standpoint um, very avant-garde um, I really love, uh, you know, I lived in New York City for a long time, so I have a lot of friends there. But and but there's something also really cool about San Francisco. You know, we've been here for 10 years this um, this December, and there's something very cool that's happening right now in San Francisco that I'm I'm glad I'm here mm-hmm. because it is a a, um, a a reset of very interesting, cool talent to people kind of coming to, to one city at one time, mm-hmm. and it's very fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the arts. And the arts and, and, you know, obviously in, in, in technology and business and then, you know, and then there's like, like money that comes around with that. So there's, you know, there's more things to sort of kind of like um, curate in a way. Mm-hmm. So it kind of creates like a society. And, but there's something very interesting happening as like, you know, the, you know, the, as it's, um, it, it's happening too fast for some people and not fast enough for others, but sort of like the reshaping of San Francisco as a modern city. Yeah. Um, because I moved here 10 years ago and I was like, dude, where's the party? You know, oh. it really, it felt, it just felt sort of like very provincial in a way. Like the city would wrap up at, you know, like nine o'clock at night and I now still got it, some yards to go. That's right. <laughs> but now it starts to feel, it's starting to feel really, really interesting in a way. I mean, like, like it's, 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 it's starting to become very cool. I mean, the weather's beautiful. My wife's from Moran. 
Um, and I, I always wanted to live in California, but now it's starting to be really shape up and, and starting to become very interesting. The restaurants are, you know, on par with some of the best restaurants in the world. And, and then and then it sort of backpedals into, you know, these this lifestyle vibe, which I think is cool. You talked about um, uh, influences. Um, I think an interesting question, um, because, uh, you know, you're, you're such an up person, upbeat, you're, you know, you're on target. You talk about being in your lane. But sometimes um, you can get knocked um, off, but there are corrective courses. And it's, it's like my long way around, you know, asking you if you have any sort of positive affirmations or something like, Tyler will do, you know, like, I don't know, self-talk. You know, I think it's were, okay to fail. I, I think that, like, that's the thing about it, right? People, um, you know, get really paralyzed if something doesn't go their way or if someone gives them criticism that feels um, unintentionally mean or, or, or cruel or it hurts your spirit in a way. Like, like if, if you can't learn how to take that and really kind of like dig through the information, right? Like I've been housed in restaurant reviews, but if you really kind of tear through it in a way, like they're asking me to be better, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so if, if you have a thick skin, if you're, if you're strong enough to take it, and put yourself, put your neck out there. And when you put yourself, if you put your neck out there and put yourself out there in a public way that you create television, create art, you create books, you create wine, like there are, there's a whole subcommittee out there that just judge that stuff, right? Professionally, right? So there, those are, and then, you know, and there's a relevancy of, of, you know, their gatekeeperness that is, you know, some people say, you know, Restaurant reviews are dead, and it's more sort of Yelpish, the, the world mm-hmm. of you know democracy versus like the single pen, um, and that you know that kind of like crosses over everywhere. But but um, it, if if you if you feel like you want to do something, right? Like you have this sort of aching need to express yourself. Like I want to sing, or I want to paint, or I want to do art, or I want to play guitar, or or this person that's really inside of me that I'm sort of stuck in this sort of dead position because like I've. I've taken the lowest hanging fruit in a way, right? I've yes. gotten, I've gotten, I've gotten comfortable with something that's easy, and I'm fairly good at it. But I really want to do that. Like you're going to live your entire life in regret if you don't even just at least try to do that, right? Yeah. Or at least try to exercise that thing because, like, and for me, if 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 uh, if I have an idea and it bangs around in my head for a couple of days, right? Because sometimes ideas like, oh, that was a really good one, and like it'll kind of flow through. But like if, if it sticks and it's starting to bang around for a while, I'm like, I need to, I have to do that. Uh-huh. I have to, you know, I have to take the idea and then um, um, uh, go buy up all the social media names, you know, oh file for a trademark application, yeah. you know, write a one sheet on that, you know, and, and, and either kind of put it into a fast track or at least put it on the shelf in a way, but at least kind of get the idea. If I don't, they haunt me forever and I can't, new ideas can't come in. Right. So, so that I did kind of take it back to your question. Like, is there daily affirmations? It's, it's like, it's like it, I work like I'm being chased by a tiger. And if you could tap into that in a really beautiful way, there's just nothing more satisfying than ha- having a great idea and people dig it. Right. And then you start to get paid for your good ideas and then people start to pay you to have good ideas on their behalf. And then, then you're just sort of this consultant thing. And like, you just like, people want you in the room because your ideas are great. And like, that's an, that's an amazing feeling, right? So you just have to stay at it long enough to get good at it. And some people between like, and a lot of people when they get started in, in, in interior design and art and food and, and you know, their, their um, 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 ambitions, um, 
um, far outweigh their actual uh, ability, right? Said, yeah. So, so like my ambitions is to do this. My ability is nowhere near that, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes they'll get crushed in that process of climbing up to where their thought process is, right? Because you just have to do it, and then the next time you do it, you're a little better, and you're a little better, and you're a little better, right? So sometimes there's fake it till you make it, but like the really good people go work for other good people and just keep their head down, right? And listen and be in the room when the good ideas happen. And you know, and just soak it up, and then and and then they start to kind of execute their their version of that other thing, the training, the training, the training, right? Mm-hmm. And and so when you get to that that place where you just like you, the flow through happens, and you have a really good idea, and you have the ability to be able to pull it off and, and execute that at a high level, and it's not only commercially competitive, it's best in category, it's best in class, number one in the city, boom, right? Mm-hmm. When you get to that point, like I'm 45 years old, right? I've been cooking since I was 15, mm-hmm. right? At some point in time, you just get good at. It, right? right, but but um, but now I, I just feel like like it's it's not just sort of like cooking to cook. It's cooked because like it's cooking because like I really love the final execution of it of like having a party of like having people in my restaurant of like writing cookbooks about creating television shows about creating these these intersections where people like love it and they go holy shit that was just amazing or that um, that recipe was fantastic and I did that and want to look at it right. And uh, and it just feels really satisfying. It just feels you know you just you just stick with it long enough. So to answer your question, like I like I think the daily affirmation is just like don't give up, right? Mm-hmm. And never take no for an answer, and just keep at it. Just keep at it because eventually you'll get good. Mm-hmm. Eventually you will. There, like you said, I think fear kind of just there's there's it just paralyzes people. Mm-hmm. The fear of failure, mm-hmm. and they'll just stop you know way early on. Right. But and know, it's sad because. It's really sad. Yeah, I went on safari. I just said I went. I came back from South Africa recently, and have you been on safari? Never. I've never been to the continent of Africa. Yeah, um, it can kind of grow on you. It's pretty wild to have all these, you know, like just animals within. Sometimes you could swipe at them. I mean, they're mm-hmm. they're so close. My television and, shows air on Food Network South Africa, so I've got I've got a oh uh, yeah I got a fan base there. I should go check it out sometime. You should. Yeah, and it made me think of. There's like lion and lamb. Because like if you ever talk to people who are out in the bush a lot, they're very basic on just kind of how the world is ordered. And, and there's like the, the cats mm-hmm. are the killers, you know, and the, the deer are being killed. Mm-hmm. Not sure where I was going with this, but, no, it, but, but I was I, thinking I, about no, like the keep, lion keep and the lamb. I, I think it's kind of cool because like there, there's like there's like a there's a hierarchy in the world that you kind of you morph from the one that's being killed to the one that kills, right? Yeah. You morph uh, into this like idea of like you, like you are the predator or you're the prey, and then and then artistically you become the predator in a way. Like you're like you execute like it, yeah. you you kill your ideas, right? Not kill them in a way that like. But but you knock them out like you 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 execute them right like you you hunt your own creativity you hunt it right like you have a really good idea and even if you're like picking apart going to the like the creative process like when my creative process is not for everybody because it takes a while but like when you when you sit in a room and you have a really good idea and then you iterate that and you iterate that and you iterate until like the good stuff comes to the top you're hunting. The creative process—you're hunting your idea, right? Yeah. And then, and then eventually, you you catch it, 
Yeah. Eventually you catch it. What does it look like when you're, you know, in this process? I mean, are you scratching notes at, you know, 1230 at night? Are you up 630 in the morning? Are you with a team? You can like working through a problem, like you said, writing down a one page. All the what above. does that process look like for you? Really? Well, uh, yeah, all, all the above. I mean, the, the, um, I have uh, notebooks. Um, I usually go through about four, you know, big moleskin notebooks a year. Uh-huh. And exactly. I have two in my car right now. And um, the, uh, the, the place, like, like you have to have like a dedicated, trusted reservoir for your ideas, mm-hmm. right? So if you have an idea for, you know, if, 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 if a moment in time in your day stops you cold because you're just facing just pure beauty, right? On whatever that is, right? It's like there's a beautiful moment or a color palette or an image that you see on Instagram or it's like like the way the leaves change in the fall. Like when you, you have to like record that because that will become part of the salad bar, right? That you will <laughs> that you will extract from later, right? Mm-hmm. That it's like it's like a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And so you kind of record these small little steps of like these things that you're kind of collecting. Like wouldn't it be a great idea if you did this, right? And then, and then you kind of put them together. And then, you know, it, it, so we, we work in, um, you know, pods and we work on schedules. Uh, so it, it's like the, there would be a, you know, cookbook pod or a television pod. I mean, that's sort of like a, 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 a you know, section off part of our calendar. Yeah. And, and there are different people that are involved in those different projects, right? So, the, you know, I was at Wayfair Tavern all day today. Mm-hmm. And we went through um, a P&L of, of um, August. And with that, there were successes and then opportunities to do better next month. And mm-hmm. it's an organic process. So then you have to attack those situations from a creative standpoint, right? And then same thing with the television thing. It's great when you're contractually obligated to be creative, right? Because then you have to. Right. Um, but, but you know, when you're faced with like 13 episodes of a television show and you got to produce four recipes per, per episode, like what do you, where are you going to go, right? So then you have to kind of go deep into the well, you know, figure out what you want to do. I always take most of my um, like cookbooks and stuff out of my space when I start to kind of go deep with that because I don't want to go all new. You gotta go all new, right. never done before. That's, like for the best of the, to the best of our knowledge, no one's ever done it, right? Yes. Like we always kind of like take our ideas and look them up, and because like sometimes you'll have like you know um, the same sort of you know creative inspiration that's somewhere on the other side. Well, of the you world. have to vet it, like oh here's yeah. a new recipe, right? Uh, like if uh, someone's Tyler, uh, uh, right, then not new. well, oh, and 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 <laughs> so if we bump in a situation like that, either we'll try to best the situation yeah. and kind of go with another evolutionary step of that. Yeah, yeah. Or we okay, it's already been done before because we definitely don't want to like me too parrot anything, right? Yeah. Um, and then, and then yeah, so then we just kind of go through the creative process until we get something that's like, okay, that's solid. That is solid. So those are the recipes. What about um, you're developing a new show? Hmm? You know, what's that process go? Like, are you, you know, I mean, your resume is also, I mean, the, all the, the whole list of everything that's going on is uh, you know, like a flow chart. You know, it's pretty impressive. Um, but where does it start with the, the idea of the show, and then where does where does it go? Like uh, you were talking about the creative process, sitting down. Like, do you want, you want to you want to develop and pitch a show, or someone's already have you sold the show and now what? Like, so what's the question? Uh, I think for you, it's like um, you, you've decided, okay, I'm done with maybe that show. I wanted to do a new one. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to start, and then where does where do you start? Um, so if if you're asking me like, how do you develop and pitch and, uh, and land a television show? Not really. Okay. Um, I guess it just like kind of where, where do I where where do I go? Yeah. Where does your creative sure. process go? Okay. Well, I've I've um, 
you know, I've, I've been behind the kitchen. This and maybe I'll be in front of the kitchen, or I don't know. Uh, so when, when you we must want right. to be, you must want to be intrigued. I mean, you want, must sort of put a new bend on it, just like your recipes, because then it's not fun for you anymore if you do the same show again. Every, you know, we, um, we 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 like to get into a rhythm of our content where it feels feels familiar enough, where we're not trying to turn the world on its ear every time we do something new, right? Yeah. So the content has to sort of be sort of like, you, 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 it has to be ex, like ex, acceptable and fun, right? A um, thread, and, a common thread woven. Well, because, yeah, it's not like we're, you know, like so the, the like if, if it's too inside baseball in the way, it's not necessarily interesting, right? Um, it has, so, so that's the first thing that we talked about, right? So if, if we, you know, like we're, we're pitching a show right now, uh, called, uh, called food city, right? Uh-huh. And, uh, so season one would be food city, San Francisco and second city, second season would be food city, Los Angeles. Then you go Dallas, you know, Austin, New York, whatever, whatever. And we would take, you know, five like food families, restaurant families, and we would just follow them around for five or six weeks. Right. And to see what would happen. So, to me, um, um, uh, Petrina Tinsley, who shot uh, three of my cookbooks, um, an amazing photographer from Sydney, Australia, she gave me one of the most valuable pieces of advice when when it comes to being original. And she said, you're only as original as your inspiration is obscure. So, you're only as original as your inspiration is obscure, right? Uh So, So, if you have this thing that's really original... Where you get your inspiration from needs to be so off the grid right. that nobody would be able to put their finger on it. Then like you're original, that. right? Yeah. Then you're original. So when we create content, like like you know, um, th- there are there is a generation of television producers out there that um, um, have never really seen like the real world season one. Which that I think is pure storytelling before it got cheesy, right? Right. Um, then if you ever really want to watch like what what great casting looks like, what great documentary television looks like. Go back and watch the real world season one and you'll be blown away by the pure storytelling without having to like make them go do stunts and challenges and bullshit like that because it's about casting, right? And so so my thing is like okay, so that so my thing is like, okay, let's watch the real world season one and let's just make that about restaurant families. And then because like life is the real struggle, right? Like nine out of ten restaurants close before the second birthday. Man, that's got to be a stressful world, right? And but what they create is like this um, is the most braggable thing that that cities claim. Our restaurants are fantastic. You know, it's like you know our nightlife, our culture. Restaurants are you know are, are the foundation of the culture of a city, right? How great your food scene is, right? And so let's just document that. So so that would be something that I would say. Okay, let's take that as a nugget. Right. Here's a great concept. Here's my inspiration that's fairly obscure because no one's seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then create like a new spin on that and turn it into something really kind of beautiful in a way. And but it's about great storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that that to me is you know where how we would like that's a typical idea. Like that's on our um, our project tracker. Mm-hmm. I'm just sitting there nodding because the, there's some some of that in like our work we're we're trying to. Um, you know, make it feel classic enough and, and comfortable mm-hmm. and actually recharging mm-hmm. in the interiors. You know how life is pretty hectic. It moves really fast. The cars are going fast. There's, there's potholes. There's drama. There's my phone's blowing up. So when you get home, I would like to just have some peace. Yet, I don't want to be boring. Right. 
I cannot be stayed. Mm-hmm. You know, so the, the work we're always trying to achieve is, you know, pulling from our clients where um, th- they can uh, let us just trick a few details. So you can make the, the men's clothing, you know, like do some sick stitching mm-hmm. that somebody has to look and investigate. Mm-hmm. You know, just like that kind of craft which sounds like what you're you're up to in, in your work. Um, how much time do you have to, um, you know, uh, you're moving a mile a minute, uh, 20 million miles a minute. Like, I'm a dad, too. You're a dad. Oh, how many kids do you have? Two. What are the ages? Eight-year-old and a five-year-old. That's a great age. I'm, I have a, my second generation of children are in that bracket right now. So they're, it's uh, amazing. Yeah, I have a 20-year-old, too. Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so going to college and also going to kindergarten. Yes. <laughs> so uh, uh, my oldest son, Miles, just uh, wrapped up a really interesting, you know, educational track. Um, um, we, you know, he wrapped up high school and then took a gap year. And then, you know, we were sort of wrestling with the idea of, of what college would look like. And and every time we got close to the subject matter, it would turn into an argument in the house. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, dude, you, I mean, I, it's college. I don't understand what the problem is. Like, let's pick a great school. You know, let's go. Like, dude, I can get you in any school in the world. You know, you got to help me out with the grades. But like, dude, I, I can get you in anywhere, right? Yeah. And but everything was just like, I don't want to go to college. And I, I'm like, wow, you really can sort of setting up a bunch of unnecessary no's in your life. Like, why would you not want to, you know, it's sort of a baseline proof of concept that you're trustworthy, right? If you can go to college and, you know, it doesn't mean you know anything. It just means you can pull off something in a reasonable amount of time, right? I mean, it doesn't mean you know anything. It just says like, okay, he went to college, so at least he did that, right? But um, um, it took us about two months to sort of, maybe three months, right, to really sort of kind of hammer it down. But college is so bloated and unnecessary. And it took me a while to really kind of buy into that, but I mm-hmm. buy into that wholeheartedly now, right? Right. It's so... It's, but that's something we might have thought. It's or, so... Or maybe we wouldn't have when we went, went to go, uh, you went to culinary school, but did you do an undergraduate undergraduate too? Or? Well, the, the, it was like, this is what I was saying. Like, so, so the people that, and, and we could boil this whole conversation down to this podcast, the idea of information exchange, right? Yes. The, 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 like YouTube is just mind blowing, right? Like, right. like, like those people that, you know, owned knowledge, right. Are losing the grip on sharing knowledge because you would have to go to college and, and, and then sign up for their their accredited program and you have to like nickel and dime your way towards graduation and that's expensive and then and then they'd get like students kind of locked in the student debt right so you walk out and you're you know $250,000 cloud over your head and then you walk into you know the, the world is not paying these people to go to like 18 year old camp any longer right just because you went to college doesn't mean you're going to get any sort of like decent job so so we anyway we 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 uh, we, we batted around for a while and then he, we, we found this he's a computer engineer he's really intelligent and but he's into it like is he already into so that? into it it's just not wanting to go to a particular college and do that thing he was already in like it's camp uh-huh. for 18 years yeah, yeah. okay it's camp it's good camp when I went I don't know. I'm not saying it's a bad time but it's a camp yeah right yeah yeah, yeah. This is this is new for me. This it's camp hacky sack, right? Yeah, it's yeah, camp yeah. it's camp keg. It's camp, right? 
So you meet some people, you hear some ideas, you learn some things. And it's like, not that, not that it's, it's the networking is probably the most valuable thing about going mm-hmm. to college. But, like, but like, so, so we, we, we found this, um, this computer accelerated computer programming school called Galvanize here in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And they have a campus in Boulder and a campus in Seattle. And we signed up for that. And that was amazing. Right. So it was seven months. Um, 40, 50 hours a week, very aggressive schedule. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and he already has a job and he's making really, really, really good money. And to me, like, like and no debt and no debt. And, and, and okay. at the age of 20, mm-hmm. he's already in the workforce, right? So 21, 22, 23, when his, his classmates sort of graduate and they're green as a plantain, trying to get into the tech world, he's, he's going to have like four years of experience. Mm-hmm. And by the time he's 25, it's going to be brilliant. By the time he's 30, he could be cashing out somewhere, right? And that to me, so so that like that to me is, is like the new new as far as like how fast can you go from, you know, a sketch artist to a to a clothing designer, right? How fast can you go from an enthusiast to a restaurant owner and a chef? Like how fast can we can you share information, give you the right information, just the information that you need? Yeah. Not that all this stuff isn't wonderful. I don't need it and I'm never going to use it. So I don't want to pay for it and I don't want to go, I don't want to waste my time, right? So like this whole new world of like accelerated learning that I, I think is going to become the new model for education pushing forward, right? And it's really, it's it's internships, right? It's like working. It's like, it's like, it's like getting into there. Like, like I want to share knowledge with people who are on the front line, yeah. not people who have been teaching the same subject matter for 20 years. So I like that. that me was, too. That's interesting to me. I'll, just to play devil's advocate because I'll, um, I, I must, I suppose, because my mind thinks like that. Um, so, but I think that the reason that works so well is it's opportunity cost, right? We'll do, um, I do little development projects and it may not be a home run, but it's like a second or it's like a, a little double. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, I buy houses, mm-hmm. we fix them up, we move them on. Now having never moved into them, you know, we use our interior design skills because we know how to do this. We already have the contacts mm-hmm. and I look for great properties to execute on. I do like one every two years. That's great. So, you, like so that. you flip houses as, as part of your business structure here in the, in the uh, kind of as a hobby on the yeah, side. Yeah, that's great. You know, that's fantastic. That's great. It's a hobby, but it's not really no, part of Green Couch. Yeah, something I, uh, I execute. Mm-hmm. But I'm always looking at like um, before I get into my next one. It's like capital sitting idle, and I may it may be two years until I find the perfect one again, or I can get one into it this year, deploy that capital again, maybe get a lower margin. But I'll have in two years when I find that perfect one, I'll now at least have grown the pot. Mm-hmm. So that's what he's doing. He's getting right into the workforce, growing his knowledge. He'll be then four years ahead of his peers. Yeah. And he'll be able to be the manager of those peers. Right. You're, you're going to, by, by flipping houses, right? By flipping houses you, you, and, and, and have complete creative control over the interior design and what it's going to look mm-hmm. like. So basically you're building like spec interiors that are like juicy. Yeah. You're like people walk in and go, holy fuck, I want this house, right? Yeah. I want it now. And, and I'll, you know, and you get in bidding more with, with somebody else who, who, who wants to pay out cash. Like that kind of stuff is really exciting. You'll learn more from that process than you will by going to real estate school, right? Yeah. Or, or so, and, and then you also have sort of a blank canvas to be able to kind of execute like these new concepts or new ideas that you're thinking about that you for can. For my clients, we talked about clients, right. When they won't buy into something. Right, when they won't buy because other they like, must do, you know, like you yeah. have to do. Uh, having, so having, this, having these things where you can go like, 
like like okay you know like sometimes we'll get into what we call like one sheet hell right like people are like well, I like the idea but can we get that on paper or uh-huh. is there a proof of concept I like out this there one can you, sheet you're can talking you sh- about oh it's it, it, some, sometimes it's wonderful because you really get out but sometimes it's just like it's deadlock but having this kind of thing it's like just do it right mm-hmm. stop talking about it you don't need to go like study it forever as much as you just need to get better at it every time you do it and just do it every single day mm-hmm. right like that to me is how you're going to get better faster at what you want to do so your your um, your ambition and your ability find an equilibrium as soon as possible versus mm-hmm. being really out of scale mm-hmm. so like your 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 ambition is just like this whole like this pie in the sky thing but your ability is at a whole different much much lower level you got to find you just have to get in there and do it and do it and work for great people and do it and do it over and over again. And that's the only way you're going to get better. Mm-hmm. But finding like the cleanest, clearest path to be able to get that done as fast as possible and not have to like be saddled with debt or whatever the problem is. Like, yeah. like we've got to find better ways for people to, to be creative, right? Uh-huh. We've got to find better models to unlock creativity. Because we will be a better society, a better world because of it. And that's the reason, well, like, even like, like, say, even this podcast is great. Here's what I was thinking about as the devil's advocate part of it. Is like, where do you get to practice language? Where do you get to practice making a good first impression? Where do you get to practice um, messing up or, or talking about uh, politics? Mm-hmm. You know, with this 18-year-old camp we were talking about. Like, mm-hmm. Where does that come in, in that young person's growth that will match that? And perhaps it's just at the office. And perhaps that works just fine. But that was my question. You know, like, um, I enjoyed the camp and the hacky sack, but, you know, there's something to that, um, uh, which I'm sure there's a solution for. So, yeah, I mean, so then that's what I'm saying. So, like, the idea of being social and the idea of having, like, a social society and a social circle around you is much, much different today than it was. I'm I'm 45. How old are you? 40. 40, right. So, so the same age, right? So, So, like, when we were... When you know when we were growing up, like to be social, you had to be in a social space, right? To be social, you had to go to the mall, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to hang out and do something cool on Saturday, or or you had to go to like the skate park and learn how to skateboard, or you had to go go play go play go play little league baseball, or you had to go do something social, right? Like like my twenty year old to be social, he has a network of people around the world. That he's social with, right? Mm-hmm. And he's finding his own voice in his own space with things that he specifically wants to talk about, surrounding himself of like-minded people so he kind of gets his click together, right? Mm-hmm. And so me telling him to be social, he, he's sort of like he'll look at me and say, like, I you, you have no idea what social is in a way, right? Right. You know, it's not it's not necessarily about a dinner party, right? It's uh-huh. about it's about the Arab Spring, right? Uh-huh. You know, so so as far as like an information exchange, so so having like you know having like your close cool people that you just want to be able to like have dinner with and talk politics over Chardonnay, it's like fuck that. Like let let's disrupt a, a, a country and a government by start setting like like planting seeds of of you know of of, of freedom in a way, right? And mm-hmm. and that that is what like being social in a new era is all about. It's like mm-hmm. it's like how fast can we? spread this idea right in a really really wide area versus having this sort of this kind of locked in social thing but uh, but it, it's like it, it is the most exciting time to be alive it's the most exciting time to just be able to like go through you know your social media feed and be turned on by so many different ideas at one mm-hmm. period of time and then and then be able to like interact with those people live in real time as far as kind of what they're working on like Kevin Systrom is a really good friend of mine. He's a, a founder of Instagram, right? And 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 he and I were talking about this. Like like what Kevin Systrom invented 
um, is uh, he he just had his I think his third cover in Fortune magazine. Um, he's such an inspirational guy. W what that medium has done for food, social <laughs> social media, right? Yes. Instagram has created the most compelling generation of chefs America's ever seen. Wow. And you watch these trends just sort of fly back and forth. And, and, it, and it, it is really super compelling. It's super compelling. Could, wow. Because you just learn so fast. Wow. Yeah, it's more than just, um, like, you know, people's Instagram feeds are, like my wife and all her friends, like, my gosh, this meal is amazing. Look what I just maybe cooked at home. I mean, that's what some of them do because they're, uh, my wife is, I think, a talented um, cook and, mm -hmm. you know, a great hand at it. But I, I hadn't thought about it being used kind of professionally. That makes everything uh, intense. Yeah. I was thinking, like, you know, uh, you know what technology or what, what has changed kind of the, the restaurant business since, you know, you would have started. I mean, clearly from 15 to 25, not 45. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to point to besides Instagram? From tech, from a technology standpoint? Yeah. Um, well, you know, um, trying to, we wrestle with this all the time, trying to know our customers better, right? Uh -huh. So when um, when someone um, makes a reservation um, in a um, traditional restaurant, right? Like now there's things, you know, this program's called like Open Table, where, you know, they have a profile um, being a member of Open Table. And then when they make a, res uh, a reservation in a restaurant, that profile, will immediately kind of go into the reservations, the restaurant's mm -hmm. reservation logbook. So then you kind of see that person and then you know when their birthday is and that kind of stuff. But then that's just one person. Let's say you have 220 people on the books tonight. You're really only going to know maybe 15 people because there's one person at a reservation for four or six mm -hmm. or two, whatever it is. What about the other person? What mm -hmm. about the other people at the table? How can we get to know them better? So we understand that we know their likes and their dislikes, right? And and their preferences. So when they walk in the door from a business model standpoint, we don't have to guess by having to, this 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 menu that we hope you find something. Everything's awesome, but we hope you find something that you really like. Yeah. Versus knowing exactly what you want, right? Yeah. So so if you can kind of like stop guessing and start executing exact details on what you're gonna like. Um, we could stop wasting a bunch of money, right? And stop like like wasting a bunch of food, right? Right. So that, that to me, that, that like that's the next big hurdle. How are you solving that? Is there a solution? Well, I mean, you know, it, it's uh, I, I just uh, uh, hosted a panel at the Aspen Food and Wine Classic this past June on you know technology in the restaurant space, and, and there's a lot of, and it turns out there's nothing that's there yet. There's lots of sort of different programs, but no one big sort of motherboard in a way, no big mother dashboard that, you know, you can, you know, look at your um, sales for the evening, look at your labor, labor model for the evening, you know, look at your social media posts for the evening, and then understand what your reservations are all about. There's nothing built yet. And that's kind of exciting because someone's going to do it, right? Could there be some sort of link from the host or whoever made the booking that tells who else is coming with you? Mm -hmm. and, you know, tag them on your Facebook or take, tag them in some sort of, on the app. I would appreciate that, right? So, so like, if so, if you, the same way that you would tag, you know, your friends in social media, like, you know, here's a big selfie with six of my friends, and then if you hit that um, picture, their tag names will pop up, so you kind of know who they are, right? But then the other thing about it's like we just want to not know you in a creepy way, but kind of know you so we can just provide better service, right, mm -hmm. and provide a better experience, right? So, so there, there's something to that about you know uh, having a 
making a reservation and then letting us know with some sort of ease, so it's not difficult, right? That you're a vegan, mm-hmm. right? And then that way we would know that, you know, when we're playing our menus tonight, that we should prep for 25 vegans that we know are coming to the restaurant tonight, right? Mm-hmm. For some special things. Take some guesswork out of it. Yeah, so I'm saying. So how much waste is there at a restaurant? Well, I, I think there, there's probably, well, you know, we, we just went through um, a, uh, a remodel of our menu strategy at Wayfair Tavern where, uh-huh. we, you know, when we opened up in 2010, um, we, uh, we had 27 items on the menu, I mean, 30 items on the menu. And now um, we have um, uh, got five, 10, 15 items on the menu, right? So we went from 30 items to 15 items and then two specials a night. So it's five apps, five entrees, a decent raw bar, and then two specials a night. So we're, we always have our toes into the next season, right? So we're using new ingredients, right? Um, but but we, we were, um, we were uh, you know, either, you know, from the... The, the cost of um, uh, labor in San Francisco is de- definitely way different from 2010 to 2015 or 16 now. Right. And then, um, and then also the, there's a 40% cost of goods increase across the board. So, you know, we were operating, you know, a um, very successful 2010 restaurant, not so successfully in 2015. We decided to make a switch because, you know, the cost of our goods were starting to kind of creep up and, you know, and, and, you know, to our budget, budgeted profit margin, like we, we started going, okay, wow, we didn't make as much money as we did last year. Why? Right. Well, because we're spending too much money on a thing. And then, and then this is where this got really kind of interesting because like an air traffic controller, you know, if you're 15 minutes late in Dallas, Fort Worth, you're going to be an hour and a half late in LaGuardia. Right. When we switched to a smaller menu, we did more covers. Right. Because like how many times have you done this? Right. You're sitting down at a restaurant and a waiter walks up to you and says, Hey guys, are you ready? And you're like, no, no, we need a couple more minutes, right? So if you take those minutes, right, by and you shorten it down by actually having less things for them to read, right? right? And then everything you have on this is a hit, right? You know, everything's going to be awesome, and it definitely fits all the categories. So there's, you know, you all all the all boxes have been checked, and then you they can make a decision quickly. They can get back to their company because there's nothing that turns the volume down than the fucking menu being put in front of you at the most awkward time. You walk in the door, you see your other half of your party, you're really excited to catch up. Yeah. I'm dying to have dinner with you guys, how you been? You get your table, you sit down, and then this billboard gets dropped in front of you, right? With 150, 350 words on it. Some of them, you're not really sure what they are, and you have to study it, <laughs> and you don't care. Yeah. You know what I mean? Unless yeah. you're vegan or you or or gluten tolerant or have some sort of allergy, I'm sure it's all good, yeah, right? That's... Just send me something. I don't want it. So anyway, so yeah, so we, we just we just started like to answer your question. Um, is there a lot of waste? Um, I, th- I think restaurants are becoming um, more aware of of buying less and doing better things with fewer ingredients and having smaller menus. Smaller menus. Um, are a big, huge thing here in San Francisco. And it's not a necessity, but it's out of You're preference. You're changing them more, though, too, right? That's kind of what I see. Isn't yeah. yeah. Well, no, more, not, not, so, not so much. I mean, like, we'll, we'll have, yeah, so, so, you know, this season's soup will be next season's soup. Mm-hmm. So we have a category. So yes, we're changing the soup. We'll never not have a soup, right? Right, right, right. Um, like, there, there's a couple of things that we, you know, the, the steak tartare at Wayfair Tavern, the burger at Wayfair Tavern, the fried chicken at Wayfair Tavern. There's a couple of things in there we just can never take off the menu. Yeah. We can just never take it. It'll be, it'll be suicide. The deviled eggs. You just can't take these things off the menu. Yeah. So I have, um, uh, I have a, probably our last question because we have to 
Uh, you have a job. You have all these deals to get done. You can't sit here all day. <laughs> um, but but I'm, having get, I'm having a good time. Oh, actually, absolutely. Um, so you have a, a particular style kind of with your food. You know, how, so it's kind of a two-part question. Mm-hmm. How might that translate? It's, um, you know, uh, how might that translate to decor, like how you like your house? Um, I'm just doing notes here. Mm-hmm. Um, simple flavors, fresh ingredients, all-American uh, cook. I, I'm sure you could put much more um, of a flavor on that description. Uh-huh. But how would you translate that to interiors? Second part of the two questions. Okay. Question okay. Is uh, what's your favorite room in your house, and kind of why is uh-huh. that? So decor, your own like your own chemistry, your own, your own like special brand. I think it's really important that you, you identify your own palette, right? And and you know what you like, right? Uh-huh. And 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 you stand behind that, right? And mm-hmm. and I. I it, it, to me, um, like you're a consultant, I'm a consultant, like people need us because we're good at what we do and we provide, you know, uh, um, less pain and making decisions and the outcome is always way better than what they could do just because that's not what they do for a living, right? Right. Um, but, but there's something very, very satisfying about doing it yourself, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so, so especially, if right. you, especially if you know what you want, right? And when it comes to like interiors or when it comes to like planning menus or writing books, when it comes to like the idea of like sticking to your guns and having something that people can identify with you, I, th- I think it's very important that you, you know, uh, like have an identifiable look, right? That people can look at something that you're doing and go, okay, that, that's, that's this thing, right? Mm-hmm. And they can look at it and go, okay, that's, and then you, you can, you can always sort of evolve that and change it around. And so like, I'm an American chef. I don't stand behind the French flag or the Spanish flag or the Japanese flag to feel like I need to be taken seriously. Like, I think American food is fantastic. So, you know, that translates into Wayfair Tavern, which, you know, used to be um, a very famous restaurant in San Francisco called Rubicon. Mm-hmm. And then, but it was a very ugly restaurant when we took it over, uh, but it was very stylish back in, I don't know, 1987 or whenever it opened, 1990 or something like that. Um, but we decided to build a movie set um, for this restaurant that maybe survived the earthquake, right? Mm-hmm. So we took 1895 as a design stamp and said, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to build this American vibe around this old tavern and the financial district. And, you know, it's been great. We did $11 million last year in sales. And, you know, we just, we just shattered last year's record and we get better all the time. And like, and, and, and it's a, it's an experience. It's a movie set, right? It's, it's transcending. It's it's teleportation. Like you walk in this room and you're in this world, right? And so so when you start to kind of snap these things together and then put the final details on, like okay, like we pulled it off. Like you're gonna walk into my movie, right? Yeah. And my movie's dope. Ah! My movie. It's like my my film is there, like you're you're not gonna see any like behind the curtains, right? Because we did a good job with it, right? So you walk you walk into this you walk into the space and the space is just breathtakingly beautiful right mm-hmm. and it tells a story it doesn't have to tell every story it just tells a story it doesn't mean you can't tell other stories and the things you want to work on but like that thing that you're selling that project needs to be perfect right and that means the food the service the experience the bathroom visit like the valet right like like the the check presenter like the the, the follow-up the email like, like it, it has to be this really sort of fluid beautiful thing right so so we um, we, we like when, when it comes to like 
having a position, right? I think it's very important to have an identifiable position. And people say like, I make comfort food or, or I, you know, I make American comfort food. And I do in a way, because like we make things that are popular, right? We make food that people can get their head around. And I, I, I'm working with a lot of my chefs to make sure that they, you know, aren't telling stories that they're only interested in, but they can tell a story that people want to pay you for. There's a big difference, right? It's like a, a, a comedian, you know, like having like, you know, a tight 25 minutes and no one laughs, right? Because it's like, yeah, it's like you have to, you have to be able to tell things that, that is commercially appealing, right? Like it has to be something that's like, people are going to fucking want to pay for yeah. that, right? But once you get into it, like once you kind of, once you say, okay, this is like clam chowder, right? Uh-huh. And like, and then when the spoon goes into your mouth and like your brain tells you it's clam chowder, in between that menu description and that high definition channel between your tongue and your brain, that's your palate to play with and you can do whatever you want, right? So it's like it's clam chowder. You get it and go, whoa, look at that clam chowder. And you close the deal with putting the spoon in your mouth. Wow, that's clam chowder, yeah. right? And then, and then people go, wow, what's, that's, that's, then, then you have this thing, right? Yeah. And so, so to me, like I, I, um, I, I feel like we're really good at what we do. And, and, and as far, so as far as like interiors go, like I, um, I, uh, I just bought this really beautiful Bernard made back home um, in Marin County, and and, and uh, I, I love it. And it's uh, and Bernard made back was um, and, you know a pioneer in the American craft period, and he designed the Palace of Fine Arts. If, if um, I'm sure a lot of your fans or, or will know who he is, but in case you don't, but he um, he was sort of a precursor to what Frank Lloyd Wright sort of did as far as the American craft mm-hmm. period, and and uh, and he. He uh, was born in Brooklyn, New York. He studied uh, art and architecture in Paris and then kind of came back and like a lot of the money was moving out west. And so he moved that west and and he really became a prolific architect um, after the 1906 earthquake, specifically here in San Francisco. And he was the um, um, he was the head of uh, architecture at UC Berkeley last 40 years of his life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you ever go to Berkeley, California, you find a lot of his work, very, very prolific architect. So, so we have one of his earliest commissions, right? It's a 7,000 square foot, seven bedroom house. We have six acres of land and in and, and Madeira, right? Like right off the 101. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and it's really, really special. So to me, like, like that house found us. Like it's, it's one of one. It's a unique American story. The house is breathtaking. And we're preservationists, right? But once you get inside of it, right? The sympathetic re- renovation we were yeah. talking about earlier. Yeah. Is that kind of what you're doing there? You, well, yeah, we're, we, we, we're preservationists, right? Like, like I, I, There's I, a lot of wood. The most beautiful wood. And you keep it. You keep it. Right, you keep it. You keep it. But then, but then, but then there's like so. So then you start to design it, right? So then you start to kind of go through your salad bar, you got your rolodex of your experiences, right? So it's a little like Chez Amis Louis in Paris. Is a little Balthazar. Is a little is a little like Chateau Marmont. Is a little like you know the Bowery Hotel lobby in New York City. Is like so you start to tell this like story of like what this space looks and feels like. And it, do you have a favorite room in the house, or do they all kind of bleed together? I, well, I'm, I'm finishing my office right now, which is really kind of interesting. So we're working on this like podcast studio. Uh, that, that I think it's kind of fun. I I, I, I painted over the weekend, uh, which is which is kind of fun. Um, and uh, and we just we just kind of hooked up all the the microphones and things last night and did, did a little test run. So I think it's kind of cool. Um, we're getting ready to redo our kitchen, so we're um, we're going to partner. Well, the deal's not done yet, so I don't know if I can talk about. It, but we're going to partner with this major magazine, mm-hmm. and. Um, and kind of redo that and turn that into our television studio. So we, uh, so Tyler Florence Test Kitchen, our new show on uh, Food Network Sunday mornings at ten o'clock is about to get picked up and go to series. And then we want to, 
you know, have this space that we can control, you know, 24 seven in a way. So when food, food network wants to shoot again, we have a space that we can just put the lights on and go Uh and, uh, and not like have a studio that we have to like rent or schedule or deal with anybody else. So yeah, we're working on that. So, so like this past weekend, I, my favorite room in the house is my office because I think it looks dope. Um, but, uh, pushing forward to the kitchen is going to be breathtaking, dude. Kitchen's going to be a masterpiece, man. I'm going to I'm going to introduce the idea of a walk-in refrigerator in the American home, and then we're also going to introduce this idea of like you know like a like a like a French partner's desk or like the idea of a partner's desk. Uh-huh. Right? I want to create a partner's stove, right? <laughs> yeah. So two people can cook at it from together. other sides. You yeah, can cook together, you right? And, you, and you're not facing the wall. Isn't mm-hmm. it like isn't it the worst feng shui in the world? I'm working right? on a project right now. Yeah. That is. Most projects we do, we almost secret away the stove, like mm-hmm. those along the back wall. And then on and the, the island, yeah. we, you know, but the, the chefs, the cooks always say we want it on the island. And it's a hard, I, think, I don't know what the percentage is, but the most homes I see mm-hmm. have the sink and the island, the stove on the back. This is San Francisco because, mm-hmm. you know, they're not typically um, more than 5,000 square feet, you know, so the they're not that big of a kitchen or 4,000 square feet house, like four or five bedrooms. So, you know, but I'm, I'm on the cusp of making this decision uh, because it makes my layout better of the kitchen Mm -hmm. to do it on the Island. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I I would would assume you're the, yeah, you're into that. Plus, well, we're, 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 um, the only way to make it better would be to do two. We have a bunch of projects we're working on right now, um, that are, um, kind of top secret we're working on one we're reinventing um the 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 stove top in a way like where you actually don't need a stove to cook on we're, we're developing this really fabulous uh technology uh which is kind of cool but to me you know the the idea of being social is the purest form or expression of cooking right mm-hmm. like i want to cook for my family or i want to cook for this party right and people always kind of walk up to you and go like hey can i help in a way right and because yes. like the way stoves are up against the wall and there's not that much counter space on either side really that and you can't see what's happening behind you it's the most anti-social thing and the most social room in the house sold we're doing it right so the idea of not only <laughs> You're right. the, yeah, but not 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 just flip it around the island yeah. but like but take the island where somebody can on the other side they can walk up and like and stir the pot from the other side and chop something mm-hmm. like so two people can cook together mm-hmm. staring at each other right talking to each other over this like a couple of different you know open burners in a way right and really kind of make dinner together in a way right yeah i mean that that to me feels like it just it's like as soon as you can unlock these like social aspects of like now we're having fun. Now we're having a good time, right? People will never, they'll, they'll realize like, like it's like a dunce cap where it's like punishment. People hate cooking because like they're staring at a wall <laughs> off in the corner when everybody else is having a good time. They're like, oh, it's hot. It's yeah. like flip it around, right? And unlock it where you can, somebody can do the help. There's romance in that, like that picture you described. Like big time. Having this, you know, more of a family event where yeah. it's contributing more. Right. Uh, exactly. That's great, man. Well, like you are such a passionate person, uh, which have um, I think we've run across each other uh, a few times at events. But um, like this is amazing. Thanks well, for sharing thank your you, passion. Man. I, I appreciate the invitation to be on your podcast. I'm a big fan. Um, I, I think it's I think it's really interesting. It's just growing. I love your office. I think the space is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and I, I, I dig your work, man. It's good. Thanks, man. We're yeah. we're doing this. It's a uh, we're going to talk about everything with a dash of design. 
And I think we accomplished that. 